Good morning, good morning, good morning. We greet you with Jesus' joy as we prepare to celebrate and give God praise on this fifth Sunday. I don't know wherever you are right now, if you're in your living room, if you're in your den, if you're at the kitchen table, or even if you're exercising or listening to us on the telephone. Do me a favor, just put those hands together, give God praise for the wonderful opportunity to worship and to celebrate our God. As we prepare to worship our God this morning, if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging with our live chat room online, you are on St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, do us this wonderful, wonderful favor. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure that you stay in the same chat stream, and you can also tag those whom you want to invite within this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and text this link of the worship experience to your personal network. And we want to encourage you to subscribe because we want to get our subscription of YouTube subscribers up to at least 1,000 before the year is out. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in the chat window and share this experience with others. Amen. Amen. I'm, uh, Minister Eric Edwards uh, is going to come. He's going to lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned. And also today is the beginning of Advent. And so the Terry family will be handling our Advent moment. We're looking forward to the Lord doing a wonderful and marvelous and even a miraculous thing this morning. So as Minister Eric Edwards comes, let's put our hands together. Let's give God praise as he comes to lead us in worship. Good morning, church family. The song simply says, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to his going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. I'm just wondering, is there anybody at home right now who is glad that the Lord woke you up again? Gave you another chance to just see another day. I know that we're in the midst of a pandemic and so much stuff is going on, but thank God that we are still here. So join in with us as we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
St. Paul family. We are the Terry family. I am Chase Terry. I'm Jada. And I'm Genesis. The focus of the entire season of Advent is the celebration of the birth of Jesus the Christ in his first Advent and the anticipation of the return of Christ the King in his second Advent. Advent is marked by a spirit of expectation, of anticipation, and preparation. The evergreen reminds us of the hope that we have in God, the hope of newness and of renewal. The candle symbolizes the light of God coming into the world through the birth of his son. The four candles symbolize the four centuries of waiting between the prophet Malachi and the birth of Christ. If there was ever a year when we needed Advent, this is the year. We can hardly describe the year that we have lived through. We hesitate to reflect on all the chaos around us in 2020. All we know is that nothing seems quite right. Nothing seems like it used to be. We need Advent. The prophet Isaiah cried out for us, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down to make your name known, so that nations might tremble at your presence. So tear through the, the choice, O oh Lord, and come down to us again. We light this first candle as a sign of our hope. Hope that you can meet us again even in the chaos of our world. Hope that you still see us, though we feel we are lost in a world that wants to make us invisible. Let this light be the God that brings us to Emmanuel once and once more. Today we will read scripture, Isaiah 64, one through two. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. Everybody bow their head and close their eyes. God, I want to thank you for waking us up this morning, seeing a new day, having this lovely Sunday. And God, just thank you for waking us up this morning to see a new day and clothes on our backs and food on our table and love to us. And God, I just want to thank you for everything you've done and everything you've done and everything you're going to do. God, thank you so much. We thank you and thank you for the things that you've done that you've done, and thank you for the things that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.
God is greatly and greatly to be praised. I want to thank our adult ensemble for blessing us with their gift of song. Do me a favor, if you would, give God praise. If you know that there is something about the name of Jesus that blesses your soul, amen, amen, amen. As we move forward, as far as today's worship experience is concerned, usually Peyton would be doing uh, an impact moment. However, uh, I want to let you all know we want to lift him and his family in prayer. Um, several weeks ago, he lost his grandfather, and this past week, he lost his grandmother. And so we want to cover him. We want to flank him with our prayers. Uh, and so he is spending time with family. I want to thank those who have joined us as far as um, our Quick 15 is concerned this past Wednesday. And thank you all for coming in at about 8 o'clock for wonderful fellowship time. God is to be praised as far as our gathering is concerned. Uh, we want to let you all know that we will be starting back up Bible study on this Thursday at noon as we continue our study uh, to the church, dealing with the church as far as the letter to the Philippians. And we look forward to you joining us at noon as well as at 7 o'clock. And also this Friday at 7 o'clock, the marriage ministry will have a couple's tune-up uh, that will be hosted by Pierre and uh, me. And that will be at 7 o'clock p.m. And you can register online as far as joining us uh, with that marriage couple's tune-up. This Saturday, this Saturday, it's going to be uh, a wonderful opportunity for us to really help to bridge the gap as far as food insecurity in our neighborhood. This Saturday, uh, St. Paul will be hosting a food giveaway for about 1,300 plus families. And we'll be reaching out to different ministries over the week as we coordinate this activity. And we sense uh, or lay out our logistics. Um, the reason that we don't have a time is because we have a food truck, a 53-foot food truck uh, that is coming uh, here. We don't know what part of the country it is coming from, but it is bringing perishable items like vegetables as well as meat. And it is in a refrigerated car, uh, a refrigerated truck, rather. And so uh, I won't find out until probably about Thursday the approximate time that uh, 53 feet uh, trailer will be here. So here's the thing. Once we find that out, we're going to send out a major blast to our church, to our partners, because we're going to need a lot of help to unload those uh, items. And then we want to move them from the refrigerated car to uh, cars that will need um, that food. So we're looking forward to partnering with you as we serve our community. Um, also, just want to let you all know that uh, we're in the process of providing temperature and symptom checks as well as logging everyone who comes into our building or who does something here at the church. This includes all of our worship services, choir rehearsals, food pantry, uh, distribution, and general office visits. So anyone who has a temp that's running high or has a li list of symptoms or has been in contact with anyone who has tested positive for COVID-19, we're asking that you stay at home until you've been tested and uh, proven to be negative. Um, again, I'm taking this virus very seriously, and we need for you to do the same thing as well. It is my hope and prayer 
that during our Thanksgiving uh, time of celebration that you were very, very guarded as far as your interaction with people who were not in your immediate family. I want to make sure that you're able to see Christmas without any negative implications as far as that's concerned. Oh, I, I was hearing some music or some sounds somewhere. I thought something was going on. You all have to forgive me. All right. As we move forward, as far as our worship experience is concerned, there are several prayer concerns I want to share with you all as far as uh, this moment is concerned. Of course, I just mentioned that um, uh, Reverend Peyton C.'s grandmother has passed. Her name is uh, Sister Patricia Lane. Her viewing is going to be December the 3rd at 10, and the homegoing celebrations are going to be at 11 on the same day, and this is going to take place at the Laurel Hill Funeral Home in Spotsylvania, Virginia. The family of Sister Wanda Jackson, Jackson, she's the sister of Deacon Woody Daniels and the sister-in-law of Sister Lula Daniels. Uh, she died last week in Washington, D.C., and her arrangements are pending. Also, the family of Brother Joshua Clawson, who is the nephew of Deacon Ira uh, Alexander and Deacon in training, uh, Sister Eloise Alexander, his final arrangements are pending as well. We want to continue to keep in our prayers the family of Brother Willie Joe Redman, the uncle of Dr. Monica Redman. Uh, we want to keep um, also the family of Brother Jonas Campbell, uh, the brother of disciple Johnny Campbell and Sister uh, Mary Campbell, uh, her brother-in-law, the family of Sister Mary McBride. She is the sister of disciple Alice Howard and the sister-in-law brother John Howard, and then the family of Rose L. Smith, the mother of Brother Brian Smith. We also want to lift up Jody Nance's wife, Deborah. We want to lift up uh, Deacon Marilyn White, who will be having surgery in uh, a few days. And right now, uh, she is in quarantine to prepare for that surgery. We also want to lift up Reverend Lenny Williams, and uh, Dr. Monica Redman, as well as David Scott Gibson in his continued recuperation, as well as um, Deacon Alonzo Pettis. And then, of course, our sick and shut-in list will be scrolling as far as names are concerned, and we want to take those particular persons uh, to our uh, prayer individually as well as collectively. So I'm going to ask that uh, Minister Edwards will come. He's going to lead us to the throne of grace, and then we will sense and seek and trust God as far as God answering our prayers. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we come before you right now to just say thank you. God, even in the midst of all that's going on right now with the pandemic, the deaths, God, the sicknesses, the illnesses, people losing their jobs, God, the numerous food banks that's going on where people have to drive to go get food for the holidays and drive to go get food for the week. God, there is still something to be thankful for. And God, we're thankful for you this morning. God, we're thank you, thankful for another day's rising. And God, we're thankful for knowing the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, came and died for us. 
sacrificed his life so that we can be saved. Jesus, we thank you this morning. God, I want to lift up the disciples of this church, God, who has lost loved ones, whose parents go into surgery. God, we ask that you wrap your loving, comforting, caring arms around them. God, lift them up. Show them the hospitality that, God, they, do, they need right now. And, God, we pray for this country. And, God, not only this country but this world, God, day by day this pandemic is getting worse. God, day by day, we're setting new highs for infection rates and new highs for death rates. And God, it may seem like you're not here, but God, we know you're still here. So God, we're calling on you to fix, God. Fix this situation for us, God. Bring us back to you and help us to get better. God, we pray for our own personal lives. God, you know what we're going through this morning. You know what we're struggling with. You know what we're dealing with. And God, we ask that you just come into our lives and comfort us, God, and help us to know that you're still here. God, we love you and we thank you. And God, we want to just ask for forgiveness of all our sins. God, we're sorry for what we've done against you. Help us to be better, God. Help us to do better. Help us to love more. God, help us to follow your will. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are trusting and believing that God is answering your prayer, can you just celebrate that fact right now? I see those that are part of our virtual congregation on our Zoom call. It is great to see you all. We thank God for your presence. Just got, thank God for technology. I just got a text message while Eric was praying that uh, the food distribution that was going to take place this Saturday has been suspended until further notice. The truck was supposed to be coming from Florida and the contact from down there has sent a message that that will not be happening this week. So whenever that does happen, uh, we'll let you all know uh, where we can be a blessing to uh, persons that are in need. So that will not be taking place on this week. All right. As we move forward, as far as the rest of our worship experience is concerned, and we want to ask you to prepare your hearts and minds to be a blessing and to show a sense of gratitude during this season, not only of Thanksgiving, but this season of Advent. The season of Advent really is a moment of reflection when God gave the greatest gift to us in the form of Jesus Christ. And as we prepare to come and we prepare to give, um, one of the things that I want to encourage you is that you and I are most like God when we give, when we give. What does that look like? In this particular time, especially this time of loss and dealing with this pandemic, there are those of you who have lost your job, you've lost the way to have significant income, uh, you've been laid off, you've been furloughed. And if any of that has happened to you, we're not expecting for you to give. However, if you're still working, you still have income coming in, this is where the strong is called to bear the infirmities of the weak. St. Paul, I want to continue to thank you for your generosity, for the largeness of your heart as far as giving is concerned. And so as we prepare to give right now, I want to encourage those of us who can to continue to practice the discipline of giving tithes and offerings.
for those who may not be practicing that discipline, if you're giving something, we are appreciative. We do want you to get to a place where giving tithes and offerings become a discipline where you give out of love as well as obedience because there's a special blessing that is connected to giving tithes and then an extra blessing that is connected to giving an offering. And then for those of you all who say, I don't have to give anything, it's my money, my prayer is the Lord, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, will continue to convict you and convince you to understand you can't be God's giving. And so as we prepare to give right now, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. The first one is by sending your cash or, I mean, your check or money order to the church address 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can bring cash, money order, or a check to the church. Call the church. Make sure someone is here to receive your offering and then work out a time where you can drop it off. Second way you can give right now or anytime is to go to our website and follow the giving prompts there and give. The third way you can give us through the app called Givelify. You can download that app from your app store, connect it to your favorite credit card, search for St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina. You ought to see this beautiful sanctuary. That means you have the right St. Paul and you can give uh, as far as that's concerned at any time. As we receive the Lord's offering right now, as you prepare to give, I want you to do me this favor. If you would, take your offering and wherever you are, place it in your right hand, lift it to the sky. want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to give. We are most like you in this moment. And as we give, oh God, not out of selfish ambition and not grudgingly, but in an exciting, enthusiastic way, we give out of love and obedience because you first gave to us. God, if you would take these gifts of ours and according to your word, bless it. Bless it in a tremendous way so that your word, your witness, and your work through St. Paul will go forward. You'll get the glory, the honor, and the praise. And Lord, we pray right now that we will continue to be a bright light shining in a dark and dismal world as far as our opportunity to be a blessing to those who are less fortunate. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you would go ahead and give at this time, and our uh, adult ensemble will come and bless us with song.
if you have a grateful heart, can you give God a praise at this particular time? Let me try that one more time. If you have a grateful heart, can you give God a praise at this particular time? I want to thank, before I get started, I just want to thank um, our adult ensemble um, for how they have blessed us as far as their gift of song is concerned, and uh, particularly to Dr. Sherelle Fuller, who has been filling in as far as our um, keyboard is concerned. Thank you, Dr. Fuller. We continue to lift up um, Scott Gibson in our prayers uh, that the Lord will continue to, to heal him. I um, had just gotten a text message from my friend, my brother, uh, one who I hold in high regard, Dr. Breaker Woods, who has shared with me about the change in the food distribution and just found out that it's connected to politics and it's your president being petty, uh, that he pulled the funding for, last, for the last month of the program, which is why we're not getting the food. Um, he just needs to go somewhere. And I'm gonna be nice about saying where he can go, but he needs to just go somewhere. <laughs> <sighs> no, don't you say it, Eric, don't you say it. Don't y'all say it on virtual, don't y'all say it on virtual. See, I can't hear y'all, but y'all can hear each other. Y'all be good on virtual, y'all be good on virtual. Y'all be good on virtual. I want to um, call our attention as I continue this new series of sermons, uh, the human response to God's actions, um, Romans chapter 10, and I want to read verses 5 through 13, Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through verse 13, and um, we'll sense what God will say from the new king james version of scripture these words are printed for moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law the man who does those things shall live by them but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way do not say in your heart who will ascend into the heaven that is to bring christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved shall be saved. I want to want to preach for the time that is mine as spirit gives um, insight and, and enlightenment. It's yours for the asking. Uh, 
it's yours for the asking. If I were to tell you that I have a million dollars I want to give you, most of you will ask me, how can I get it? If I were to offer you a brand new car, 2021, and all you had to do was just ask for it, how many of you all would take up that offer? If I were to propose to you that I have keys to a brand new house, how many of you all would accept that gift? Most, if not all of us, would have no problem accepting these fantastic opportunities to improve our lot in life. While some would jump at the chance to improve his or her life, some would be a little apprehensive because the underlying question we would raise is, what's the catch? Some tend to be suspect because we've been told nothing is free in this life. Everything has a cost. Everything has a price. You do not get something for nothing. Therefore, we feel that if we don't work for it, then it's not worth it. Interestingly, this is why we work. This is why we obtain an education. This is why we pursue the finer things in life. We desire the material, the physical, the educational, the financial, the social, and the cultural aspects of society to enhance our standing in the eyes of others. And don't get it wrong, there is no problem, nothing wrong with pursuing the finer things in life as long as it does not cause us to forget who God is. But the problem is how many of us crave the worldly attributes, which can create a sense of isolation from God, separation from each other, and alienation of self. This sense of being isolated from God and from each other is what the devil desires. This is part of his demonic activity to prevent us from attaining the ultimate design God has created for us. And that is to bring God glory. And not only are we to bring God glory, but you and I are to be connected to one another in a mutually beneficial relationship. Unfortunately, we have to admit that the enemy has gotten us off track. Satan has created this powerful rift between God and humanity, and Satan has created separation between one another. When our biblical foreparents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, it created separation between God and us. We became susceptible to doing what the darker side of our ego desires, rather than taking the lighter side of our spirituality. And I am convinced the demonic is when God has created, is not carrying out its original purpose and intent. In other words, we behave demonically when we're not doing what God originally intended for us to do. Therefore, when anyone or anything pursues a vocation other than the one that God has created for it to be, and makes that pursuit the highest good, 
then that person, power, or institution becomes demonic. All of us were created to bring God glory. All institutions and organizations like businesses, government, schools, social groups, family structures, and yes, even the church were initially designed to bring God glory. Spiritual beings like angels, cherubs, and seraphs were created to magnify God. But when the evil one, to whom we refer to as Lucifer, Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, or the dragon, pulled humanity from its original purpose and intent, it caused creation and humanity to fall. Therefore, God had created us to be good and very good. We became part of the fallen creation like Lucifer and those who followed him. And that creation now has to be redeemed divinely. In other words, we are good intrinsically, but we have fallen because of sin, and we must be redeemed. The irony and insight we must get is this. All three statements must be held together. We are good. We are fallen. We need to be redeemed. We are good by God's original design and intent because that's how God created us. We have fallen because our biblical foreparents listened to the voice of the serpent and put their interests before bringing God glory. And we can be redeemed because we can be changed from what we are due to sin to what God desires for us to be. The exciting thing about redemption is how God is saving us for our original purpose. And our original purpose, goal, and intent is to bring God glory. Since you and I are part of this fallen humanity, and since you and I are part of this desecrated creation, we find ourselves trying to do things to fix the mess that we're in. Unfortunately, this issue for us is that we're trying to engage in an act of redemption by using broken tools and desecrated instruments. We are trying to use the things of the culture and the things of the world to redeem us when the things of the culture and the things of the world need to be redeemed itself. In other words, we're trying to use something to fix our lives and the things we're using need to be fixed itself. Examine your life and the things we use and we have to conclude those items need redeeming. There is nothing within our midst that's going to last forever. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no institution, no system can do for us what is necessary to right the wrongs that have been done to us and creation. In other words, education cannot redeem us. While it may give us knowledge, it cannot change our character and make us right. Money cannot redeem us. While it gives us access to things, it cannot perform a spiritual transformation. God knows politics cannot redeem us. While it decides upon the allocations of resources for public good and consumption, it cannot dictate to people 
that we should love one another. Marriage cannot redeem us. While it was created for procreation purposes and male and female relational enjoyment, it certainly does not guarantee eternal life. Sex cannot redeem us. While it can be pleasurable within the right context, our purpose is not found in it. Religion cannot redeem us. While it can give us parameters, boundaries, and guidelines for moral living, it lacks the power to make us do the right thing. Therefore, everything I just mentioned needs to be redeemed itself. Education needs to be redeemed so the acquisition of knowledge can bring God glory. Money needs to be redeemed so its use can perpetuate the kingdom of God. Marriage needs to be redeemed so that the marital bond is not hierarchical, but a joint partnership reflecting Christ and the church. Sex needs to be redeemed. So we will look at persons not as a mean for erotic satisfaction and carnal objectification, but as the expression of merging two souls into one for a lifetime of commitment. Religion needs to be redeemed so that love and pillars are so love and mercy are its pillars rather than legalism and judgmental attitudes. Unfortunately, we put our hands on things and we put our hands on things which have fallen and they fall ever so short to place us within the right context and relationship when it comes to God. So all I'm trying to let you know is this, that everything we see and everything we don't see is in need of redemption because guess what? It cannot make us right with one another and it certainly cannot make us right with God. However, the very thing we need is ours for the asking. It's not money, it's not cars, it's not clothes, it's not a new house, it's not a new man, it's not a new woman, it's not a new job, it's not a new president. The thing we need the most is available to any person who is willing to receive it. And guess what? It's free. It is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's yours for the asking. This gift cannot be bought because you and I don't have enough money to pay for it. This gift cannot be earned because you and I do not have enough energy to take care of it. This gift cannot be given to you if your parents or grandparents had it because salvation is not transferred through bloodlines. This gift cannot be granted based upon merit because you and I can't do enough right things to earn it. The crazy thing about this gift is that it is ours for the asking. Not the working, but for the asking. Not the giving of some money, but for the asking. Not being part of a political party, but for the asking. Not based upon a certain race, but for the asking. And all of us fall into the category of the jailer of Philippi when Paul and Silas were incarcerated and the jailhouse shook at midnight the jailer was about to take his life. Paul told him, stay your hand. We're all here. And the jailer raised this interrogative. Sirs, what must I do in order to be saved? They told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
Salvation is a word that carries significant weight even in 2020. Salvation is life transforming. Salvation is life redeeming. Salvation is life liberating. Salvation comes to us from the covenant relationship that God made with Israel and you and I are beneficiaries by default. When you think about salvation, it is more than being kept from experiencing the tormenting fires of hell. Salvation is more than you getting into heaven when you die. Salvation carries with it not only eternal life, but the capacity to change what you and I deal with in our everyday life here on earth. Yes, salvation is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. It means that you and I have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Deliverance has occurred on such a level until sin no longer has the power and dominion over your life. You and I have been redeemed and reconciled with God through our identification of us claiming our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And guess what, you all? It is free. You, you, you can't earn it. You can't pay. It is free. And, and guess what? You in and of yourself have nothing to do with salvation. What, what, am I, what, am, what are you talking about, Pastor? This is what I'm trying to get you to know. Salvation ain't initiated by you, but by God. Salvation is God-initiated. Salvation is Christ-focused. Salvation is Holy Ghost-enabled. Salvation is love-generated. Salvation is mercy-laden. Salvation is forgiveness-operated. Salvation is character alignment with God, character alignment through Jesus, and character alignment by the Holy Ghost. Salvation is achieved when you and I are delivered from the hostile and destructive powers of sin and death. So when God saves us, it is for our survival, for our protection, and for our preservation. When God saves us, it's for our benefit, our blessings, and our being. When God saves us, it's for our healing, for our health, and our wholeness. Therefore, when we are saved, it does not only mean deliverance from sin and judgment, but it also has positive implications for how we share, watch this, in the divine glory of God. And it's yours for the asking. But there are certain conditions. You don't have to pay for it, but there's a specific criterion that has to be met. It occurs through Jesus Christ. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I, I, want, you to, I want you to catch this. It didn't say you might be saved. It didn't say you could be saved. It didn't say you would be saved, but it said you shall be saved. Be saved. Let, let, let me run this one more time. Let me run it by you one more time. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart. Now, I'm not talking about this fleshly muscle in your chest, but I'm talking about in your mind, in your cognitive consciousness. The Lord has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You shall be saved. Why is it essential for the gift of salvation to come through Jesus Christ? Why not some other religious figure? Why not some other forms of religion or spirituality? Why does it have to be Jesus? And why do we need to follow this formula? I know that I've raised a lot of questions, but it really boils down to this. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? And why is it ours for the asking? I want to submit that, first of all, the gift of salvation comes through Jesus because Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's, that's a shouting point right there. If you follow the flow of this text from verses 5 through 7, Paul opens up this passage and informs us about the distinctions between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of the law demanded that you and I keep certain rules and regulations in order to have proper relationship with God. And, and, and according to the Hebrew, uh, Hebraic understanding of the law, if you broke one of the laws, then you did not have relate right relationship. And according to Jewish understanding of the law, there were over 600 something laws. And if you broke one of them, you broke the whole law. So the law was based upon works, what you did in order to have right relationship with God. It was based upon works righteousness, and it was based upon you keeping every single solitary law perfectly and guess what that was something that no human being could do as a matter of fact the only person that was able to keep the law entirely was Jesus Christ as a matter of fact Jesus was the law personified Jesus was the law walking. Jesus was the law talking. Jesus was the law performing. Performing. Jesus was the one that dotted every I and crossed every T. This is why Jesus Christ was able to critique the religious leaders of that day because they knew the words of the law, but they did not have the spirit of the law. This is similar to folks in 2020 who can quote the Bible, but they don't live by it. Uh, this is similar to folks in, the, in, in 2020 who know everything from Genesis to Revelation, but they don't know the God uh, of the Bible. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, he demonstrates to, this le to the leaders what they could not do for themselves. I want to suggest this is what God does for us through the person of Jesus Christ. God was well aware when God gave the law, God knew we could not keep it. But God was not so concerned about the law's wording as God was about the relationship the law was supposed to bring. The law was supposed to bring Israel closer to God. Uh, however, the law created separation in class among the people of God. And, and when you read in the Old Testament, how they were given the law in Mount Sinai and how Moses laid out the law in Deuteronomy. Uh, we come to understand that, that as they looked at the law in Leviticus, that they violated that stuff going and coming. They had the law. They knew it backwards and forwards, and they still could not keep it. God gave Israel the law to distinguish God's people 
from other heathen nations. However, we do know that Israel at times act worse than the heathen nations, even though they have the law. So God's people, watch this, took the law and created distinctions and hierarchies with and among themselves. But when Moses gave the law, he said these words, and I quote, only the person who does these things perfectly will live eternally by them. But there's a problem, Moses, with your statement. The problem is that none of us is perfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, it becomes rather frustrating time to remember over 600 plus rules that we know we're going to break every now and then. And we want to get this thing right with God and we want to have eternal life. And if it's based on the law, we are in trouble because we will miss it every single solitary time. I want to submit we're not smart enough. We're not spiritual enough. We're not mature enough. We're not perfect enough. We're not righteous enough to get it right every day of the week. We know we're saved. We know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And guess what? We still mess up. In other words, you and I can't gain the favor of God based upon our personal merit. You and I can't gain uh, the favor and relationship with God based upon what we do. The law points us in the right direction, but we don't have the power to keep going in the right direction. That's why Paul said, don't try to figure out who's going to bring Christ down from the heaven or who's going to bring him up from the dead. In other words, Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. It is the works of Jesus Christ that saves all of us. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that saves all of us. It is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that saves all of us. It is the mercy of Jesus Christ that saves all of us. It is the grace of Jesus Christ that saves all of us. Uh, we don't have to ask ourselves, what great work must we do in order to get God to love us? Guess what? We can't go into heaven and tell Jesus come down to the earth and we can't go into the grave to raise Jesus from the dead. God has already done that. Uh, we can't improve uh, on what Jesus Christ has already done. Jesus came from heaven as God in human form. Jesus descended into the deep and took the power from death, sin, the grave, and hell. And he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We could not save ourselves. We could not make ourselves right with God. But I'm glad, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that Jesus was able to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, watch this, because I'm getting ready to bless seven. I'm going to make eight. God is not expecting you and me to be superhuman and perform some impossible task. God has already done the impossible through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is Jesus that makes us right before God. It is Jesus, not our education. It is Jesus, not the church affiliation. It is Jesus, not your bank account. It is Jesus, not who your mama or your daddy is. It is Jesus that makes Makes us right before God and all you and I got to do is ask for it.
there is something else that this text shows us. It lets us know that sin no longer has to control our lives. I could put my kickstand down right there and run around this church four times. Before I talk about the freedom, the salvation of Jesus Christ brings to our life, let me, if I could, give you some insight and some clarity from verses 8 through 10. If you want to experience the salvation which can only come from God through Jesus Christ, if you're going to have a relationship with God that is authentic, not superficial, that is powerful, not impotent, that is liberating, not binding, there is something you have to do. Even though God has made the gift ours for the asking, the issue is this. You got to ask for it. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody right now. This is what Matthew meant when he said, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. If you don't ask for the gift, you ain't going to get the gift. The gift is free, but you got to ask for it. The gift is free, but the price has been paid for it. The gift is free, but you don't have to pay the fee. It's already taken care of, but you do have to ask for the gift. Now, this is where we lose some people because they're understanding, well, if the gift is free, God should just go ahead and give it to me. No, there is, watch this, human responsibility that is coupled with God's sovereignty. Watch this. This request requires two things, a confessing mouth and a believing heart. If you're going to get the gift of salvation, you can't have one without the other. Faith without works is dead. In other words, faith requires a response. You can't say you have faith and then not do something. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody right now. You, you can't say that you have faith and then not do something. That, 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 that's, like, that's like living in these times where you talk about, I got faith and I trust God, but you won't wear a mask. That, that's like saying, I got faith and I trust God in these pandemic times, uh, but you won't practice physical distance. That's like saying, I got faith, but in these pandemic times, you want to go out and you want to hang out in a crowd and you don't know who's got the coronavirus. Faith without works is dead. Now, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. You can't say that you have faith and then just sit on your laurels. This is what you have to understand in order to be released from the shame sin can bring to your life. You got to move by faith. Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Right? Am I right? Am I right? Now, let's dig deeper because I want to do a little teaching before you shout. I can confess but not believe. Let me say it again. I can confess, you know, talk, but not believe. I'm still not saved. All right. I can think, but not admit. 
I'm still not saved. The gospel may be in your mouth in a sense of how you can repeat certain words, and it may be in your heart, you know about it and understand it, but you're still not saved. It is only when you believe the gospel message to be the truth, both internally and externally, and you surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ, then and only then are you saved. I'm trying to help somebody here right now. I, 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 know, I, I know this is not a typical shouting sermon where I'm telling you how to get a new house, a new car, a new boo, a new bay. But I am trying to tell you how to live in a crazy pandemic world if you got Jesus in your life. This is what blessed me. God, through Jesus Christ, will not be your Lord without being your Savior. And he won't be your Savior without being your Lord. In other words, Jesus will not be your Lord without saving you, and he won't save you unless he can be your Lord. Can I take y'all a little deeper? Can I take y'all a little deeper? Uh, let me take y'all a little deeper. Uh, the aspect of confession means to agree or to acknowledge something to be true, something to be the truth. God knows in today's culture, truth is so subjective. But I want you to know that truth, for me, is not relative or subjective. Truth is a person. Preach Robert Charles Scott. Uh, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, which means that I have made the agreement for Jesus to run my life. I confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But there's got to be something else to your confession. The other response to your faith is to believe in your heart. Ooh, this is going to bless you real good. That God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ooh, this is good. This is good. This is good. This is what, this, this is what gets us. Because resurrection to today's empirical mindset makes no sense. It does not make logical sense for you to believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It doesn't make good sense, but it makes great faith. Here's what I'm trying to get y'all to understand. If you can believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, it creates a shift. And how you live in the here and now. Oh, who am I blessing anybody that's watching me right now? Am I helping anybody that's watching me? Watch. This is because you now live your reality from the perspective of the one who has been resurrected from the dead. Listen, listen, this is why. This is can, 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 can I make it live for you? This is why you and I can persevere in the middle of a neurotic narcissistic lame duck president who refuses to concede that he has lost while spewing quintessential prevarications from the people's house about how he won the election all right translation because i know i just lost some of y'all let me break that down for you this is why we can hang in there in the midst of an egotistical dumb president who continues to spew lies that he won an election but he really lost by six million votes talking about joe biden you proved that you got eight 
80 million votes. Trump, why don't you prove that you got 73 million votes and then we can have some conversation. This is why you can wear a mask. This is why you need to practice physical social distancing. This is why you need to wash your hands. This is why we engage in the political process and cast our votes regardless of the voter suppression they put our way. This is why we protest against racism and supremacy, white supremacy and police brutality. This is why we raise our voices against sexism for our sisters to be treated as equals. This is why we should treat our brothers and sisters who are LGBTQIA as human beings, regardless of how you feel about their lifestyle. You and I no longer have to let anybody place limits on us because of something that took place in our past. Why? Because you're connected to a Jesus Christ who has already taken care of your mess from your past. You no longer have to allow guilt to hold you down. You no longer have to let your mishaps and mistakes mess you up. You no longer have to let your frailties and faults frighten you. You no longer have to allow your sin and shame to scare you. You no longer have to let guilt and gloom grind you to a halt. Because here is the shout for anybody that wants to get it right now. If you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, then it should not be any problem for you to believe that God can handle your bill. If you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it ought not be a problem for you to believe that God can heal your body. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, it ought to be no problem for you to believe that God can keep you out of trouble. If you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it ought to be no problem for you to believe he can deliver you from evil. If it's you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, then you shouldn't have any issues for you to believe that God can make a way out of no way. If you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you ought to know that he can take care of your enemy. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what your faith is. I don't care how high your mountain is. I don't care how low your valley is. We serve a God that can get you through anything, get you over anybody. Why? Because he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's the ultimate. When you and I get saved for real, for real, Paul tells us that if we trust in Jesus Christ, we will not be put to shame. This means those of us who meet God on the day of judgment, wearing the gift of the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ will not be put to shame. That, that means that on the day of judgment, when God looks at us and he sees us clothed in Christ, he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But on the other hand, those who refuse the gift, on the other hand, those who have been exposed to the gift and say no to the gift will show up on judgment day wearing their filthy rags and will be eternally put to shame. I don't know about anybody else, but I can shout right now and give God praise because when I get to heaven, I want to make sure I got on the right attire. When I get to heaven, I want to make sure that I got on the right road. But all you got to do is ask and it shall be 
yours. Uh, let, me, let me wrap this thing up. Um, finally, the reason that we get salvation through Jesus is because salvation through Jesus allows us to go beyond the biases and prejudices that prevent us from having relationship with folks who are different from us. I know that's long. Uh, watch the live stream again to get this point. Here it is. In verse 11 through 13, Paul says, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord who is over all and rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I'm saved, for real, I can have a relationship with somebody who doesn't look like me, talk like me, behave like me, I have the same skin color. I can see Christ in them. They can see Christ in me. Salvation means that you and I can transcend or go beyond gender, race, ethnicity, class, culture, educational background, academic achievements, or financial portfolio, and meet people where they really are. In other words, because I'm saved, I don't have to feel inferior because I'm a black man, but I should not feel superior because of my salvation. You just miss your shout. When, when you're really saved, you don't think you're better than anybody else. But when you're really saved, you know you are saved, not because of you, but because of God's grace. This, 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 this is the difference between having salvation from the real Jesus and getting salvation from an Americanized, Eurocentric, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned, gun-toting, U.S. flag-waving, needing Donald Trump to save him, Jesus. When you know the real Jesus, I'm not talking about the Jesus of Trumpism. When you know the real Jesus, I'm not talking about the Jesus who condone American slavery. When you know the real Jesus, I ain't talking about the one who supports various forms of oppression. When you know the real Jesus, I'm not talking about the one who tells a woman that she's less than a man. Uh, when you know the real Jesus, not the one who has become a false idol for Trumpicans, uh, but I'm talking about the real Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus who did not mind being around children. I'm talking about the Jesus who did not have issues talking to a woman from Samaria. I'm talking about the Jesus who did not hold back on touching the leper. I'm talking about a Jesus who did not let somebody's ethnicity stop him from healing and delivering them. I, I'm talking about the real Jesus. It makes a profound difference in your life. You all got to excuse me. I'm getting so happy. I'm about to preach myself out my shoes right now. I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and preach myself happy. Watch this. When you and I get saved for real, the distinctions that separate us are erased because there's no distinction due to sin and judgment. 
In other words, I stopped going around talking about I don't see color. Because when you say you are colorblind, you're negating what God has made me to be. But I am able to be in relationship with you regardless of color because your color doesn't matter how I engage you. Preach Robert Charles Scott. So God is not going to say, okay, Gentiles, you all are over here. And okay, Israel, you all are over here. Let me make it into today's culture. All right, black folks, you all are over here. And all right, white folks, you all are over here. God rules over both. Jews and Gentiles. God rules over both male and female. God rules over both uh, rich and poor. God rules over both. Uh, and when we know that God rules over both, we know that he, Paul said in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male or female. There's neither bond or free. For we all are one in Jesus Christ. Uh, the reason that prejudice exists in today's culture is because of fear. The reason that racism exists is because of fear. The reason that sexism exists is because of fear. The reason that homophobia exists is because of fear. The reason that militarism exists is because of fear. The reason that police brutality exists is because of fear. The reason that white supremacy exists is because of fear. Because when you and I get saved for real, it means that God has the power to take away the anxiety, to take away the fear, so that you and I no longer have to be scared. Especially if we come from a position in society where we have been labeled inferior. In other words, blacks no longer have to be afraid of whites. The poor no longer have to be afraid of the rich. Women no longer have to be afraid of men. Employees no longer have to be afraid of their employers. But the reason that you and I still have issues is because we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Huh? In other words, uh, we are saved. It's already a complete work. But God is working it in our reality, so we are being saved. And in the future, we will be saved, which means that our salvation is already done. You and I are still susceptible to sin. Uh-huh, y'all looking at me kind of suspect. I need to let you know with your saved, sanctified self, you got to admit you still mess up. With my saved, sanctified self, I got to admit I still am prone to fall to temptation. But that's why Jesus Christ has come. Because Jesus gives us the ability to overcome the sins that will come our way. That's why there's a song, we don't sing it in church too often today, but there's a song we sing back in the old church that goes something like this, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue, Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. Then the chorus line goes something like this. Ask the Savior to help you. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Church, I want you to know 
That's what I'm able to shout on right now. I'm able to shout on right now because uh, some time ago in my past, uh, I, 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 I asked the Savior to come and help me. Why? Because I was sinking deep in sin. Uh, I asked the Savior to come help me because I could not do what only Jesus could do. And since I asked Jesus to come into my life, uh, I have to admit I've had some ups and uh, some downs. Uh, I have to admit uh, that I've had some sunny days and some stormy nights. I have to admit uh, that I have not dotted every I and I have not crossed every T. I have to admit that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because God saved me through Jesus Christ, because uh, I have admitted him to be my Lord and my Savior. I can give God praise on this weekend after Thanksgiving for the greatest gift that God has given any of us. And I know we are transitioning to the season of Advent. I know that many of us are looking forward to December 25th where we're able to celebrate the birth of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but I need to let you know that the greatest gift that God can give any of us is the gift of eternal life so I just stopped by to remind somebody anybody that's watching me live stream that whatever you need from the Lord is yours for the asking salvation is yours for the asking healing is yours for the asking deliverance is yours for the asking mercy is yours for the asking grace is yours for the asking forgiveness is yours for the asking wholeness is yours for the asking and prosperity is yours for the asking peace is yours for the asking Joy is yours for the asking. Wisdom is yours for the asking. Liberation is yours for the asking. Redemption is yours for the asking. Transformation is yours for the asking. Emancipation is yours for the asking. Love is yours for the asking. But do I have anybody that know you fall? into the whosoever crowd I know I'm not good enough to be able to get to God on my own I know I'm not good enough to have a relationship with God on my own I know I don't have enough money to pay for my salvation but I'm so glad that he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs because I fall into the category of the whosoever upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all got to excuse me, but is there anybody out there that's watching me live stream? Is there anybody out there on Facebook Live? Is there anybody out there on YouTube? Is there anybody out there on the Zoom call? Is there anybody out there on our website? Is there anybody out there 
in that name. There's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name. There's forgiveness in that name. There's joy in that name. There's salvation in that name. There is peace in that name. There is gratitude in that name. And if you know there's something about that name, lift up your hands, throw back your head, give God a praise because he's worthy, 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 worthy. Say yes, say yes, say yes. yours it's yours for the asking it's yours it's yours it, it's yours I, it's, it's yours for, for the asking it's yours it's 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 yours. I ask the Savior to help you. That's salvation. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. That's salvation. He's willing. He's willing to aid, to aid you, and he will. He will carry you through. I want to, I want to offer this gift of salvation to you. It's yours for the asking. How do we ask for it? Very simply, we go to the Lord in prayer. We bring our fallen selves before a loving, gracious God. Somebody's saying, well, I need to get my act together. You can't. Not without, not without God. You, you can't make yourself right with God. He and he knows how messed up you are. And yet he stands ready, willing, and able to make your requests a work in reality. I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of new life and a prayer of a brand new start. And if this prayer moves you, if you're watching us right now and you want to be saved, if you're on Facebook, just type in salvation. If you're on YouTube, just type in Salvation. One of our digital ministers or social media influencers will reach out to you. Or you can email us here at the church at connect at sbbcnc.org or call the church. Let us know you want a relationship with God and we'll let you know what next steps are. If after this prayer you want to unite with this church, just follow those same prompts I just mentioned. Let us know you want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you want to be a part of the St. Paul Church. We'll love to have you. We're receiving people as part of our fellowship from all over the country. Yep, we're receiving them digitally. And uh, if you want to anchor down with us, you can do that. So if you would, repeat this prayer after me. God, 
I want to be saved. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe he's living right now. I want your gift of salvation. Forgive me for all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. I surrender to you right now. And I acknowledge you're my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, in your mind, your spirit. Salvation is yours just for the asking. Is it really that easy? Yeah, it is. And now you got to become discipled. You got to become sanctified. You got to be made brand new. That comes through the grace and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. What does that mean? That means you acknowledge you don't deserve it, but you grow in your understanding of who God is through Jesus Christ. And that's how you become more and more Christ-like. If that prayer blessed your heart and if that prayer touched your heart, remember those instructions I gave you. Reach out to us right now. I would love to be your pastor, these men and women that are online with you. We'd love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we hope that this prayer, as well as this word, has given you the insight that you need. Well, guess what? We're calling it a Sunday right now. I want to thank each and every one of you who have joined us in this worship experience. We're getting ready to go right now. And as we prepare to leave, just want to remind you, Bible study is on Thursday at noon. We look forward to you joining us, as well as your other activities throughout the week, as well as a quick 15 on Wednesday night. Again, let me remind you, we will not be doing the food giveaway on Saturday that has been suspended until further notice. But we're getting ready to go right now, so let me, if I could, bless our going forth from this time. God, we come and we thank you for what we have witnessed, what we have heard. We thank you for the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And as we leave this moment, oh God, but never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. Empower us to do the work that you have assigned our hands for this week so that we will bring you glory. And Lord, become a drawing presence to others who need to know you in the pardon of, your, of our sins. We love you, oh God, and this is our prayer. Amen. Listen, God loves you and so do I. Have a strong, blessed week in the Lord. Wash your hands, wear your mask, practice physical distancing. I look forward to seeing you all in one of our various platforms this week. Love you all. Y'all take care. God bless. Amen.